Welcome back. We're in Genesis chapter 35, verse 16. Let's go. Genesis 35, 16. Then they journeyed from Bethel. And when there was but a little distance to go to Ephrath, Rachel labored in childbirth. And she had hard labor. Now it came to pass when she was in hard labor that the midwife said to her, Do not fear, you will also, you will have this son also. So she's traveling. She's about to have birth. She's fearful. She's gonna have pain and it's gonna be a tough birth. Imagine back then, and still a lot of parts of the world, where their healthcare system is so vastly different than ours. Without pain medication, without the comfort of a comfy bed and air conditioning in a lot of places and all that stuff. So that's what's going on back then. You could imagine how much different it would have been to give birth. It's hard enough for women in America to give birth with the pain and everything. And then back then, and still in lots of parts of the world today, I mean, wow. So she's got troubles. And her midwife says something that is just crucial. Do not fear. This is that thing we've talked about before where someone's gone and counted. They counted 365 of these or similar statements about do not fear, which is one for every day of the year plus leap year. God is trying to send us a message. Do not fear. Why does he say that so much? Because fear is the opposite of faith. I know that because I've experienced it in my own life. When I'm fearful, I'm not being faithful. I'm not trusting that God is sovereign, that he will do what he needs to do, that he will mold that clay into exactly what he, the potter, wants it to be, that I am a pawn on a chessboard and he is moving me around, but unlike a pawn on a chessboard, I also have free will and how that free will and sovereignty go together, he'll be able to explain to us in heaven and we'll be like, oh, that makes sense or I see that, but he wants us not to fear and so many of us live our lives in fear. A lot of us live our lives in regret and remorse and guilt or I wish I would have, I I, could have, should have, would have type situation going back in the past or we're living in fear of the future. That's where that fear comes in, which is what's going to happen in the future. I don't know. And I wish I had a crystal ball, the, you know, the magic vision for the future. But God doesn't want us to live in the future and he certainly doesn't want us to live in the past. He wants us to live in the present. If we live in the present, that's where we can have the most peace and joy. I know that in my own life because when I think back to the past, something I wish I hadn't have done or had, done, had done differently, it doesn't make me happy. It makes me sad. And when I think about the fear, future and I get fearful about it, that doesn't make me happy either. That makes me sad and worried and anxious. And God doesn't want that for us. He wants us to be faithful, not fearful. So this midwife had just amazing uh, advice here for her. In verse 18, And so it was, as her soul was departing, for she died, that she called his name Ben-Oni, but his father called him Benjamin. So she actually died during childbirth. We're going to look at Genesis 31, 30, verse 1, which said, Now when Rachel saw that she bore Jacob no children, Rachel envied her sister and said to Jacob, Give me children or else I die. So originally, before she could have any children, she was basically saying, if I don't have a child, I am going to die. How ironic, if we use this, that word loosely in, in this context, but how interesting that she actually died giving birth to a child. It's, in our, it's, it's so interesting. I've seen this in, play out in my life and in lots of people's lives where they're like, I need this one thing, just this one thing, and life will be good. And then... It's not, right? I need this house. It'll make me happy. And yeah, it does. But then that new house smell wears off and 
they're like, oh, now I need something else. Or that new car, and then the new car smells off, is off. Or if I could only get married, all my problems would get solved. And then they get married and realize that living with another person and become, having become one in Christ when you got married is a really hard thing to do. Or if only I could have children, and then you've got all the financial burdens of the children and the staying up at night and not sleeping well, sleep deprivation, and the fear of what may happen to your child and, uh, you know, all that stuff. So we want to be careful not to live for, oh, I just need this one thing to make me happy because you know what you need, that one thing to make you happy is Jesus. That's it. God is good and he will take care of us. We just have to trust him more. We have to fear less and Hopefully we can read that from these, learn that from these verses here. So she said, I'll die if I don't have children. And in fact, she actually died while having children. Verse 19, so Rachel died and was buried on the way to Ephrath, that is Bethlehem. And Jacob set a pillar on her grave, which is the pillar of Rachel's grave to this day. 21, then Israel journeyed and pitched his tent beyond the tower of Eder, Eder, E-D-E-R. 22, and it happened when Israel dwelt in that land that Reuben went and lay with Bilhah, his father's concubine, and Israel heard about it. So who's Israel? That's Jacob, right? Jacob wrestled with God. God changed his name to Israel, reflective of the old man and the new man, the you before Christ and the you after Christ. If you haven't come to Christ, then you're still the old you. You can become a new you, a new creation in Christ. That's what baptism is reflective of. Baptism doesn't save anyone. It's reflective of saying this is an outward sign of an inward change, something that already transpired. Coming to Christ, you literally die on the cross with him. He took the punishment for you as your substitute. It's as though you died and you are um, made alive, made in the newness of life. And when you take your last breath on earth, you actually don't die. You just go straight to heaven. You died on the cross with Jesus once you accept his death as the atonement for your sin. And so Reuben actually did something really bad. This is adultery. He was not married to this person and he had relations with her. Worse yet, he violated his father's confidence in so many ways by sleeping with someone who was close to him and dear to him. And so this is bad, right? You don't want to do that. And what do we know? If we skip forward to Genesis 49, verses 3 and 4, we see where it says, Reuben... You are my firstborn, my might and beginning of my strength. The excellency of dignity and the excellency of power. Unstable as water, you shall not excel because you went up to your father's bed. Then you defiled it. He went up to my couch. So what we're learning from that is Reuben lost his birthright because of his adultery and lust. In our culture today and in places all over the world, probably everywhere in the world, this is a huge problem. Relations before marriage, relations while married, outside of that marriage, or, you know, other stuff that goes on that I won't state right here. But we want to be cautious of that. We want to be cognizant of that. And if we find ourselves thinking about someone else, which is going to happen uh, for most people, and Satan's going to put that idea in your head, and what God, Holy Spirit, living inside of you wants to do is say, not in my temple, not in my house. Let's get that out. Push that out. Let's go on down the road. Stop thinking about it. Stop looking. Stop dwelling on it. Move on. Move on. Right? And so we got to conquer that adultery and that lust. Um, but a big problem in our society for sure. And we continue down into verse 22. Now the sons of Jacob were 12. 
The sons of Leah were Reuben, Jacob's firstborn, and Simeon, Levi, Judah, Issachar, and Zebulun. The sons of Rachel were Joseph and Benjamin. The sons of Bilhah, Rachel's maidservant, were Dan and Naphtali. The sons of Zilpah, Leah's maidservant, were Gad and Asher. These are the sons of Jacob who were born to him in Padan Aram. So remember, he had sons with four different women. His two wives, he had two wives. You can go back to listen to the podcast on that because he was tricked by his father-in-law, um, Laban, who did the old switcheroo on wedding night, which is really unusual, but he did it and got away with it. And then the wives weren't able to get pregnant, so he also had uh, he had children through their maidservants, which was a common practice back then if your wife could not get pregnant. So he ended up with all these gentlemen, and uh, we call them the, the tribes of Israel. And 27, then Jacob came to his father Isaac at Mamre, and Kirjath Arba, that is Hebron, where Abraham and Isaac had dwelt. Now the days of Isaac were 180 years. So his dad, Isaac, was 180 years old. Remember, years earlier, he had deceived and tricked his father and said that he was Esau in order to steal the birthright from his brother Esau. Um, and then Esau was like, I'm going to kill you, bro. And so Isaac had to take off. And then he married the two girls, had these kids, started coming back, was afraid Esau was going to kill him. Esau didn't. Esau essentially forgave him. And then Jacob lied to Esau, but still they're back here together, right? So I think the last we saw of Jacob and Esau's interaction was Jacob was like, go ahead, bro. I'll be right behind you. I don't want to slow you down. We'll be right behind you. And he didn't. He knew all along that he wasn't going to go where Esau was, he knew he was going to pull up short and uh, go somewhere else. So it's interesting here that they're getting along. And, um, well, I can't say for sure that they're getting along, but it appears that because they buried their dad together. So they're at least not, you know, uh, Esau's not trying to kill him or anything like that or saying, why'd you lie to me again? I can't trust you, right? I can't even be around you, which is probably what would happen in our culture. Someone deceives you enough and you're just like, I, I just can't trust you. I'm sorry, I'll never trust you again. Maybe that trust gets earned back again. Um, and, and maybe it doesn't. Um, 29, so Isaac breathed his last and died and was gathered to his people, being old and full of days, and his sons Esau and Jacob buried him. So dad Isaac died, lived 180 years. You can go back to listen to earlier podcasts in Genesis. People lived a lot longer back then. Why? Because sin hadn't taken its full effect on mankind. So People used to live a really long time because we didn't have as much effect from sin, right? What did, Sin brought death and disease and illness and all this stuff. And over time, that death, disease, illness stuff has gotten worse. And so our life expectancies have come down where people used to live, you know, 200, 300, 400, 500, 600, 700 years, etc. Now we're, you know, whatever it is, 67, age 74, age 78, depending on the geography and stuff of uh you know what country and stuff so anyways probably the big application um here is where the maidservant said to her do not fear we don't want to be fearful we want to be faithful and i say this because there's times that i fear and i i you know have to battle with that i'm like okay i know i recognize this is fear i recognize it's the opposite of faith it's it's the opposite of trusting god Lord, help me to trust in your ways, to trust that your, your ways are better, your path is perfect, and uh, that you, you know all things work together for good to those who love you, so help me with that. Lord, I 
pray your, pray your blessings upon each person listening to this. Uh, I pray that you would make us all better in who you are. Help us to know that when we disobey you, it's uh, it hurts us. And when we obey you, it helps us. We have more peace and more joy when we obey you. We simply do. Society and community or country around us may not understand what we're doing. They may ridicule or persecute us for it, Lord, uh, financially, socially, emotionally, anything, physically. But help us to rise above it. Help us not to be afraid. Help us not to think the world's just, oh, it's crumbling down and I have to be fearful or fearful of whatever it is, Lord. Help us to be faithful and trust that you are good and that you are God. Amen. This podcast brought to you in part by the Portfolio Protection Store, where smart investors go to protect their life savings from stock market losses. Visit our website to register for our webinar, theportfolioprotectionstore.com. The webinar is about portfolio protection and safe money ideas for ages 50 plus. Visit theportfolioprotectionstore.com. Located in Austin, Texas, license number 288-7886.